welcome you to the podcast of Crossroads Fellowship. I am glad that you are here this morning to listen to what God has to say to us. And I am thankful for our family, church family that is listening to this. And for those who may have just gone on to our website and has picked us up. I am glad you're listening too. I pray that God would just speak to you as well. But in this time, when a lot of things are different, we're going to be doing some things different as well. But I hope you have your outline, and we will have outlines available every Friday before the Sunday podcast at 10 o'clock. And so I hope you have had a chance to get yours and then have it uh, downloaded so that you can write on it as well. But this morning, we're going to be talking about why doesn't God do something from the book of Habakkuk. It was 19 years ago when we and our world in the United States was shaken by the fact that America was under attack, September 11th, 2001. And now we find ourselves under attack again, but it is by... Uh, agent that we cannot even see. We're not even sure what is going on in all of this. But all this has something to do with how God is working with us and how we respond to Him. If you're a child of God, you know that Christ is coming again. We know that uh, believers will be taken up into heaven. However, until that time in September... 19 years ago, and then just about three weeks ago, I think that most of us in this nation, children of God, thought we were safe. We know we have needs, and we know that there's things that are not right in our nation, but there was such, there was maybe some sense or degree of tranquility and peace by our nation. But now again, God is speaking to us. Many times coming events cast a long shadow because God's word tells us great tribulation is coming. The beginning of sorrows have filled the days that we live in, both nationally and internationally. Now in the face of events like we're experiencing right now, if we're not careful, our mind begins to work and the devil will tell you, If there is a God, He doesn't care about us. Or, if there is a God, He cares about us, and He's not able to do anything about this situation. Now watch it if that's beginning to creep in your mind, because you'll be tempted to think like that. We cry out, where is God? Why doesn't God do something? Why is the world in such a mess? Look at it. Listen to what's going on. It is in a mess. In fact, It wasn't too long ago that Joni Erickson made this statement talking about the moral regression in our day. She said, gradually, though no one remembers exactly how it happened, the unthinkable became tolerable and then acceptable and then legal and then applaudable. Barner said just about less than a year ago now in a survey that among millennials that were surveyed, 47% who call themselves Christians, followers of Christ, said it is wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone else 
of a different faith in hopes that they would be one day sharing your same faith. That's how we are and what we believe. And so we have reached a state now where we have found out that our tranquility is not as solid as we thought it would be. Well, we're not the first one to face this. There was a minor prophet by the name of Abekah who had a message that was a major message. And we're going to look at that this morning. Abekah 2, Abekah 1, verses 2 and 3. And I hope you have your outline. I hope you'll turn your Bible to that particular passage of Scripture because we're going to be in the whole book of Abekah, which is just three chapters all this morning. Abekah 1, verses 2 and 3. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before before me. Strife and contention arise. Sounds like something we know about, doesn't it? Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for our time together this morning. I'm thankful for the church to be able to come together by electronic means while we cannot be able to worship together in one building. And Father, as our nation is trying to decide what we're to do and what comes next, I pray for peace. I pray that as you speak to the leaders of our nation, that you would give them wisdom. And I pray, Father, that as we, your children, and especially your church here in Trigg County, find an opportunity to share peace with those who are looking for peace, I pray, Father, that you would give us that open door. And as we study your word this morning, Father, help us to realize that it was written for us today. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Habakkuk has a perception of what's going on. Even though it's not right, he has a perception of it. First on your outline, I want us to look at a perplexing problem. And this is what Habakkuk had this problem, and we're going to look at it. Look at the first bulletin there. He had a problem with what he presumed or he believed was God's indifference. Habakkuk 1 verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? Have you ever or have you ever been there yourselves when you cry but nothing happens? God, there's a lot of problems, a lot of plagues. A lot of fear, a lot of anger, a lot of violence in our nation. We can identify with Habakkuk. Habakkuk begins by prayer and praise and praise. And it seems that nothing happens or nothing gets any better. It gets worse. In Habakkuk 1 verse 2, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And then the next sentence below that in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 2, or cry to you violence. It's interesting. First of all, he's crying to God for help. But that second cry in the Greek means that he begins to scream at God. God, what's going on? Why aren't you doing something in the midst of all this problem? He calls out and cries and then he begins to be angry and he screams at God. He's, he's quit asking God and he started shouting at God. God, why don't you do something? The second perception that Habakkuk has in the middle of all this problem is 
Not only God's indifference, but that second bullet, God's inactivity. It seems God is up in heaven and his arms are folded doing nothing about the situation of the world. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 3, Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Lord, do you see what's happening in our world? It's a mess. Violence and fears and instability. Everything. In fact, in 2017, the last census that we have on this, there are almost, almost 70 million refugees in our world. That many misplaced people. All's going on. Don't you see this, God? Jeremiah was a contemporary of Habakkuk. And in Jeremiah 8, verse 12, we find, were they ashamed when they committed abominations? No. They were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. They were unblushable. In fact, what one time was hidden from society now is applauded by society. We live in a world of unblushables. Only four out of ten believers, born-again people they call themselves, base their morals on the Bible. When Barner did his research group some years ago in seven areas, he found out that we're not what we really think we are or what we're supposed to be. And we want to cry out, Oh God, what's happening in America? Well, God, we ought to be crying, God, what's happening to the church? God, you're the only one who can stop these things. And God, you seem indifferent, inactive. And then Rebecca has another perception of God, God's inconsistency, that third bullet. At least this is what Rebecca thought. When Abekah quits screaming at God, now God speaks. Look what he says in Abekah 1 verses 5 and 6. Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe, if told. And then in verse 6, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the, the marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. Now, do you hear what God told Habakkuk? Habakkuk, I know things are bad right now, and I know they're going to get worse. But Habakkuk, I am doing something. You know what I'm doing? I'm raising up your enemies, and their armies are going to march through your land. And you can't stop them. In fact, those people, those Chaldeans were horrible. Cutting infants in two with swords. Cutting babies out of mother's wombs with swords. They were a nasty people who fought dirty. And he says, they're going to take your land. Sure enough, Rebekah didn't believe God. And he starts to argue with God. In verse 12 and 13 of chapter 1. He says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. And then in verse 13, You who are of pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man who is more righteous than he. 
Notice his argument. It's sort of like ours. God, that's inconsistent. I ask you to do something about evil, and you're going to raise up those Babylonians as enemies to invade us. God, that doesn't make any sense. We're bad. We know we're bad in this nation, but we're not as bad as the rest of the world. We don't have all that wickedness devouring the people like those people do. We're more righteous than they are. Doesn't that sound like us in this nation? It really does. Jesus told his followers, I have many things to say to you, but you're not able to receive them. Listen, child of God, we don't live by explanations. We live by promises. God's not honor bound to explain to us the things we couldn't understand and wouldn't receive anyway. God is God. Most Americans would quickly admit that we're bad. When we at least would say, God bless America, we have in God we trust on our money. It wasn't but a little about two years ago that Chancellor Putin of Russia made the statement that Russia was more Christian than America. And I'm not sure that he might be more right than we think. We are in a problem. We are in a mess. We do all these things, but friend, there is nothing in God's Word about America's superiority in the last days. God does not cause the evil deeds. He is not the author of evil. I want to believe God for national revival. But if we, the church, do not repent and turn from our wicked ways, there is not one promise that says we cannot fall. That what, what are you trying to tell us, God? We have been cursed with blessings. That's our problem. We pray, God blesses, and instead of turning to God to praise Him, we become more independent of Him. God's not in the business of protecting our lifestyles. God's in the business of bringing glory to Himself. You say, Ken, I don't particularly like this. Well, I just want to tell you, I don't like it either. But it's the truth. We've looked at Habakkuk's perception and the perplexing problems that came from that. But secondly, I want us to look at a proper perspective. A proper perspective. Write that on your outline. Habakkuk 2 verse 1 says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. You see, thank God, Habakkuk stopped screaming at God and started listening to God. He has a tower out in the field. It would look like one of our deer stands standing out in the middle of the field somewhere. And that evidently is where he has his quiet time with God. And now he's going to be quiet, climbing up in that tower, tell, quit telling God how to run the universe, and listen to what God has to say. And when Habakkuk got to this point, he began to get the proper perspective. We will do the same when we quit hollering and being angry at God. Are you there yet? God shows Habakkuk three things. I want you to see this. The first bullet on your outline there, the trustworthiness of Scripture. The trustworthiness of Scripture. Habakkuk 2, verse 2 in the ESV says, And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. The New Living Translation says it this way, 
Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer in large, clear letters on a tablet so that the runner can read it and tell everyone else. Habakkuk, I'm going to give you a revelation. I want you to write it down bold and clear. And what Habakkuk wrote, you and I are reading this morning, and it's for us now as if it had never been for the Jews any other time or for Habakkuk. For still, Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. We know it is. It hasn't come yet, but it may come in our time. God knew that one day in the United States, in Cadiz, I would need this message. God has made some solid rock eternal promises that are absolutely, totally sure. You can trust the Word of God. Now, in between the beginning and the end, things are going to look confused. And we're going to want to shout at God. God's God's Word is truth. Friend, you can trust God's Word even when you can't understand it. What I can't understand, I'm still going to stand on. I am so thankful we have this book in a day like we're living right now. We need this. Have faith in God. You remember that old song? He is on His throne. Have faith in God. He watches over His own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. That's what God's telling us today. Can you say, I'll take God's Word regardless of the appearance? Don't let circumstances and appearance move you off this Word. Don't let that happen. Well, he had a proper perspective. And there is another thing besides the trustworthiness of Scripture that I want you to see. That second bullet was the judgment of the sinner. The judgment of the sinner. Habakkuk thought that God had gone soft on sin. So he thought he would lecture God. But in verse 5, chapter 2, God speaks again. Here's what he says. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. And if you read the next several verses after that, beginning in verse 6 through verse 19, you'll find that there are five woes that he's telling on these Babylonians, these these Chaldeans that are going to rush into the land. He says, woe to them. He says, woe to dishonesty. In verse 9, woe to greed. In verse 12, woe to violence. In verse 15, woe to immorality. In verse 19, woe to idolatry. Habakkuk, listen, son. I want to tell you, I know all about their sins. And I will judge them, every one. The greatest deception of Satan is, because God is not judging right now, that he'll never judge sin. God doesn't deal with his children that way. He deals with his children on a cash basis. He deals with those who are not his children on a credit basis. You remember that. The Babylonians thought they were high, wide, and getting by, treating God's people any way they wanted to. But God said, Habakkuk, I've got a record of every one of their sins. God has said, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess to God. As your friend and your pastor to those here at Crossroads, I want to tell you, 
No unforsaken or unconfessed sin will ever be overlooked. Mark that down. Third thing that I want you to see that he's telling Habakkuk as he's quit hollering and screaming at him, he now talks about the reign of the, sage, of the Savior. The reign of the Savior at that last, third bullet. Jesus Christ will indeed rule. Put a star at this verse. Habakkuk 2.14. Oh, what a verse. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Look at our cities, our nations. They're dark with crime and hate and violence and now with fear. But surely as I stand on this platform, the light of the glory of Christ will fill this world. Jesus will be victorious. All the forces of hell and all the power of sin and all the doubts of the people will not stop the enthronement of our dear Lord and Savior. You just wait. It'll come. Stop shouting and let God speak. You can hold on to that. Habakkuk's perspective. We saw, we saw his perplexed, perplexing problems. We saw a proper perspective when he got through screaming at God. And now I want you to see a profound praise. The third chapter of Becca of Habakkuk reaches the highest pinnacle of praise. I do not believe that there's any higher praise in all the Bible than is found in Habakkuk 3, verse 1. It's a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shiganoth. Now, you know what Shiganoth is. If you do, you let me know. What is that? Well, as we can probably guess and the best knowledge we have, it's a musical term or a literary term. And it means in Hebrew, with deep feeling are according to deep feeling. It's a prayer according to deep feeling. What has happened? Now please understand, things haven't changed for Habakkuk. The enemy is still outside the gate, ready to take over the country. His country is still wicked. But the wellsprings of joy and thanksgiving and praise have burst loose in Habakkuk's heart. This is no ordinary prayer. God has spoken to me. My eyes are brimming with tears and my lips are bursting with praise is what Habakkuk is saying. What happens to your praise in dark days? What about your praise right now? Your what about your thanksgiving when all is going wrong? If you want to be victorious when you don't understand, then you need to, under, you need to learn this third chapter of Habakkuk. Learn this. First bullet there. Real praise comes out of revelation. Real praise comes out of revelation. God has given Habakkuk a revelation of himself. Not what God is doing, but who God is. That's far more important. It's better to know who than it is to know why. Psalms 107 verses 1 and 2 tell us, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from, the, from trouble. Now, we're, not, we're always asking God why. And that's okay. You can ask him why. But knowing who is far better. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of His praise. His 
Brightness was like the light, splendor, rays flashing from his hand. And there he veiled his power. That's God's majesty. Now that place that we're talking about, the revelation that God gives there to this, uh, to Habakkuk, Teman and Paran are the deserts and the mountains where the the law was given. The thundering on the Mount Sinai. Only David and Abeka used the word Selah. The word probably, as I said, is a musical term. And it just means to pause and think about this. So that's God's majesty that He reveals to us. Now in chapter 3 verse 9, we're going to see His might. You strip the sheath from your, so- from your bow, calling for many arrows, Selah. Stop and think about that for a minute. You split the earth with rivers. That's God's might. Now look at verses 10 and 12 of Habakkuk 3. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. Verse 11, the sun and the moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. Verse 12, You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You just stop and think about that for a minute. You think about it right now as a minute as you're listening to this. That's God's might. So he's showing Habakkuk his majesty. He's showing Habakkuk his might. And then when we get to verse 13 of chapter 3, listen to what he says. You went out for the salvation of your people. For the salvation of your anointed, you crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Do you see those verses? That's God's mercy. You just stop and think about that, Habakkuk. God bringing salvation through his anointed. Isn't God merciful? You see, When Habakkuk really began to focus on God's majesty and God's might and God's mercy, he forgot about his question, why? And now his attention is turned to who? If our God is a God of majesty, he rules over all, and a God of might and a God of mercy, don't you think we should just pause right now? And think about these things. We cease to praise God when we get our eyes on circumstances and off of who God is. I want to tell you, family and friends that are watching and listening right now, there is no panic in heaven, only praise. Habakkuk 2 verse 20, But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. God's in control. The enemy may invade the temples down here, but he can't invade the heavens. Quit arguing with God. Quit shouting at God. Quit telling God how to run his universe. He's not lost control. The very hair on your heads are numbered. And when you clean, when you brushed or run a comb through your hair today, he subtracted the ones that fell off. And he still knows exactly how many are on your head. Think about that. Real praise recognizes reality. Some people believe that Christians are just sentimental optimists. They're not realists. They got their hand, head stuck in the sand somewhere. 
Well, you listen to Habakkuk 3 verse 16. Here's Habakkuk in the middle of all that God's showing him. He's saying, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness has entered into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. In other words, in today's vernacular, Habakkuk is saying, I'm scared stiff. Habakkuk has seen God in His majesty and in His glory. And he's also seen the world in all of its misery. He's a realist. But praise God, he's not ignoring the reality of refusing to acknowledge God. He knows what's going on. But real praise happens even in the face of reality. The next bullet, real praise ends in rejoicing. Real praise ends in rejoicing. Rebecca 3, 17, 17 through 19. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive falls, and the fields yield no food. The flocks be cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Verse 19, God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. You know what Habakkuk is saying? My standard of living may change, but my standard of life is not going to change. If the stock market crashes, if there's no groceries down here at Hancock's on the shelves or Walmart or anywhere else in the marketplace and no money to buy it with if you had it and no jobs listed in the one ads and death is imminent at my door, I'm going to praise God. Can you say that? Well, let me give you some life application as we close this out. And my prayer is that this message would just bless your heart because it's written for us today. I want to ask you, where is your joy? Is it in your circumstances? Is it you're going to lose your joy? Your life will come, come to pieces if you don't have that. Would you like to exchange a piece of your life for the peace that only Christ can give? It's better than a life being in pieces. What are you afraid of? When you think about the future, what puts your stomach in knots? Regardless of what it is, you do what David did. In Psalms 56, 11, David said, In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to you? What can COVID-19 do to us? The psalmist in verse 46, 1 and 2 says, God, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In verse 2, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. And then this key verse from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4. Behold, his soul is puffed up. 
it is not upright within him. But the righteous, now he's talking about those God's children, shall live by his faith. Stock market crashes, no food on the shelves, nothing to eat. We already have death at our door. No money to buy anything with. No jobs listed in the want ads. But I'm going to still praise God. That's what Habakkuk said. I want to know, would you be willing to do that? That's what it's all about. And I want to tell you something, friend. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you do not have a relationship with Him, would you do that? Would you just say, God, I ask you to forgive me. By faith, I receive you as the Lord of my life. And in this time when there is no peace, God, I'm asking you to be my peace. And I can tell you, God responds to that. God responds to that. I want to close in prayer. Before we close in prayer, I just want to again remind those of you, especially of our church family here at Crossroads. You can get your outline by Friday of each week and each Sunday at 10 a.m. The message will be broadcast on our site. The broadcast, the podcast will be on our site uh, and you just go to it and you will have it. Our site, if you don't have it, on one of your bulletins at home is www.crossroads.cadis. No, I'm sorry, there's not a dot there. www.crossroadscadis.com. You go to that and that's where the message will be. I want to close with prayer and I want to share some things with you that God's teaching me in this prayer and maybe He'll speak to you as well. Since the coronavirus has centered into our nation and has got our attention, God's taught me some things. Maybe He's speaking to you as His child. He's taught me that and has forced me to consider some of the things that have been idols in my mind, things that I've really been missing. He's also taught me to check my belief in the sovereignty of God. Father, you can do anything you want to, and we trust you. And Father, in all of this, You've made me aware that my invincibility and that I shouldn't be reckless in my health, but that I understand it is a gift from God that you've given it to me. God, I've come to understand how little I pray for world leaders and for my church members and for pastors. I've also come to realize how I am more appreciative of the privilege of meeting 
with brothers and sisters in Christ in this place. What a blessing. Father, I am thankful for our electronic means of communication. And as I look more and more to the return of my Savior, I realize that there are people who are not ready for that. So, Father, may I proclaim you while there is still time. May you encourage us as part of the family at Crossroads to share the gospel. Father, bless your people in this next week. And I pray that you would encourage us as we reach out to each other. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. One last thing that I would tell you, which would be nice. Why don't you have a listening party next Sunday? Invite some people to your house. No more than 10, but invite some people to your house. God bless you.